0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to ST Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times, and I'm Joyce Till. Last week, Singapore authorised the use of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine in people who are age 18 and above. It is the second COVID vaccine to be authorised for use by the Health Sciences Authority, and the first shipment is expected to arrive around March. Like the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, which has now been administered here, The Moderna vaccine is a messenger RNA vaccine. Singapore also has an advance purchase agreement for the Sinovac vaccine from China, and that's an inactivated vaccine. So I recently spoke to an expert on how Singapore came to the decision to look at these types of vaccines. He's Professor Benjamin Seed, Deputy Group Chief Executive for Education and Research at the National Healthcare Group. He's also a member of the Ministry of Health's Expert Committee on COVID-19 Vaccination. So here's part of my conversation with him. So hi Prof Seed, can you take us through the different vaccine technology types that were considered, identified and selected? Which types appear to be the safest and the most effective?
1: Okay, so, so when you look at it, uh, and I think I can go back all the way to April when we started. So at that point in time, I think we were looking at uh, as many as seven or, or eight different types of vaccine technologies. Everything was very early. Most of the work was uh, preclinical which means it's either based on lab testing or, or in some cases, animal testing. So that's all the way back in in April. And I think we realized very quickly that uh, it would be too challenging to try to look at all of them uh, with the same level of intensity uh, because there is a lot of uh, technical reviews uh, and literature review involved, Uh, And we decided to look at a mix of both traditional vaccine technologies so you have the inactivated vaccines, you have the protein subunits, as well as the new technologies involving RNA and viral vectors. So it was a fairly uh, it was a portfolio approach, and I think we were open to looking at all of them equally at the start. Uh, although, of course, there were certain preferences that some people might have uh, because of their scientific or clinical background. But it was a, a portfolio mm. approach, uh, and I think as we talked to more companies and evaluated the science as it came in, as Papers were published and and, uh, information was provided to us by companies. Uh, I think the list got whittled down quite quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certain technologies like uh, uh, whole live viruses, DNA virus vaccines, I think we decided against them fairly early Mm -hmm. and uh, came down to essentially the four main categories of of Mm -hmm. RNA, uh, viral vectors, protein Mm -hmm. subunits, and inactivated vaccines. So so I think it was a process of uh, elimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in each category, again, as we spoke to different companies, uh, we favoured certain ones based on the strength of their science, and uh-huh. how well designed the, uh, the, uh, the uh, studies were, as well as the track record of the company.
0: So you mentioned the four vaccine types, and that's the mRNA vaccine, the viral vector vaccine, inactivated vaccine, and the protein subunit. So earlier, we've talked about the mRNA vaccine and the inactivated vaccine. So viral vector vaccines, they use a safe or harmless virus as a platform to deliver genetic instructions to the cell in order to uh, trigger an immune response. While subunit vaccines, you know, as the name suggests, they use parts of a virus to trigger an immune response. So why did the expert panel decide on these four vaccine types? So,
1: so when you look at the live, uh, sorry, the the inactivated Mm -hmm. uh, vaccines, like the ones from Sinovac, Sinopharm, uh, as well as the protein subunits, they actually have a good track record as a vaccine platform. Mm -hmm. In that, uh, take the inactivated viruses, they've been used from the very early days of vaccination. Mm -hmm. And protein subunits, I think there are many uh, different uh, uh, commercially available types for other diseases that's already in the market. So those were established. We were familiar with the platforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were some disadvantages in terms of how fast you can make them. uh, And therefore, that would affect the uh, eventual rollout. The RNA vaccines, I think, were particularly interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. They are not entirely new. Because Mm -hmm. there are ongoing clinical trials uh, for these vaccines, uh, for other viral diseases. Uh, It's just that the companies very quickly adapted uh, what they were doing for Mm -hmm. other uh, diseases for COVID-19. So as a technology, I think it looked extremely interesting. And also the fact that uh, you could actually produce uh, vaccines in large quantities early. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also when the clinical trial started rolling out, we saw that the uh, viral vector vaccines, (laughs) like uh, the ones from AstraZeneca from the Chinese company CanSino, as well Mm -hmm. as RNA vaccines have progressed very, very rapidly. Um, So so in a sense, that sort of... uh, there were many reasons, but this was some of the key reasons why we zoomed down to, to these four categories.
0: So, if you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the Health Chat podcast for free on your favorite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating.
1: I think when we look at the Pfizer vaccine today, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, how would I have some assurance that it's safe? Mm-hmm. So one is the fact that uh, I think more than ten regulatory authorities around the world have actually approved its safety, and this includes very stringent groups like the US FDA, Canada, uh, Israel, EU. So these are jurisdictions that are not going to take any compromises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that that uh, strength of ten separate independent regulatory reviews uh, is actually a lot of uh, a lot of uh, evidence. That's one. Mm. Secondly, when you look specifically at the RNA vaccines, so that's both Pfizer and Moderna, I mm. think if we count, I estimate that more than 10 million people around the world have already received it. Uh, and we have not had big reports of lots of complications in, in any of the sites that have uh, rolled out the vaccine to millions of people. So again, mm. that's a little bit of assurance. Uh, but that that obviously is observational rather than based on, on hard data. Uh, even in Singapore, I think at this point thousands of people have already received it, uh, and I think again uh, we are not uh, alarmed uh, by, by i mean we have not uh, seen a, a spate of uh, of uh, complaints uh, relating to the vaccine so this is all anecdotal um, uh, evidence um, right. that goes beyond the the clinical trial results so I think the best way to to uh, Talk about causality is about uh, one particular case that uh, received a vaccine, an RNA vaccine in the US, and subsequently was struck by lightning. So it's very easy to sort of say, okay, um, maybe because he received a vaccine, uh, he got struck by lightning. But we all know lightning strikes are freak accidents. Uh, it did happen to him. Uh, the outcome was no good. But at the end of the day, we can't say that, uh, that just because he got a vaccine it's more likely to get struck by lightning. And I think that's what, what, one of the problems that we're seeing today, that uh, in the social media, lots of these sort of uh, cases are actually being uh, uh, attributed to getting vaccinated. If you look at Singapore on an average day, uh, I think even before COVID came, even before there was a vaccine, thousands of people fall sick in Singapore every day. Uh, some of them end up in hospital, and unfortunately, every day, some people will, will pass away in Singapore. Uh, And I think if we do have mass vaccination, I think the same people will fall sick and end up in hospital or pass away. But it's not so easy to say this is a direct result of a a vaccine. So this whole thing of causality needs to be studied very carefully. You need to look at the science, you need to look at stats, rather than just quickly point every bad thing you see is a result of COVID or the vaccine.
0: Prof, do you have any tips for those people who are not sure if the vaccine is truly safe for them?
1: Uh, I think they could start by asking their own GP uh, because not all vaccination sites might have a doctor on site uh, once we roll out into population vaccination. Mm, okay. But there will be healthcare workers uh, and uh, I think they will, be, they will be trained and provided with uh, the right information to advise uh, patients.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The street Science. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Search for Straits Times Health Check, like us, and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was an SBH podcast by the Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcastsbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at the Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3.